Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest health IT headlines and what they signal for the near future. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 15 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. I always love these rip from the headlines episodes, although we should probably say we record it like three weeks early, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think some of the headlines we're going to be talking about today are going to still be a topics of conversation three weeks from now. Yeah, I mean, some of these topics might be a topic 10 years from now. Could be. <laughs> the could way be healthcare true. works. <laughs> yes. Yeah, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a prediction, right? Hey, we picked seven headlines that we're still talking about years from now, not just uh, a week or so. I think we so. just got a new tep- topic uh, idea for a future episode. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, I'm excited. There's this one right off the top. It caught my eye for sure, and I'm sure it caught a lot of people's eye. And that this headline was: Is Cerner a acquisition target potentially for the Googles or the Microsofts of the world? Um, it's interest, definitely interesting to think about. Um, what did you think when you read that one, John? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, we have to cover it on healthcare IT today, but it definitely felt like someone fishing for a headline, although it makes sense. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you remember our, our previous episode where we talked about Epic potentially being acquired and, uh, you know, Mad Money covering that and talking about Epic being acquired. And, and in that, I said, Cerner's the much better acquisition target than Epic. So at least this article got that right, because Epic is not the one that should be acquired. Cerner is, and the one that would make sense. I'm just torn, right? Because Microsoft and Google have so much money they could just do a cash acquisition of Cerner, which is insane to think about, right? <laughs> like how much money they have. And, and the article did actually a pretty good job of, of highlighting why Amazon is not a good acquirer. And I actually agree with them on that. Amazon is not really a good fit for any of the EHR vendors. They don't really play in the enterprise space the same way. Their cloud solutions do kind of, but it's just a different model altogether. So. I think it is interesting to think about. And the other thing that is interesting, I think the article pointed this out as well, is there's the transition happening. So at Cerner, we had the founder who passed away, unfortunately. And and so then there was a transition to a new CEO and now he's decided to leave the company and there's going to be another transition. So, you know, is that a time for, you know, another company to come in and kind of take it over? I think potentially there is. And, and it would be interesting for the Googles and Microsoft to, to buy into the healthcare market that way. I'm kind of with you on this one. I think it's sort of a fanciful headline. Um, as opposed to based on anything super concrete or that there's any rumors or, you know, that there's secret meetings happening or anything like that. But, yeah, you know, it, it, I think it is interesting to think about for someone like a Google or a Microsoft to, to further entrench themselves in the health space. Um, you know, we've seen other acquisitions, you know, uh, around nuance and, and others. So there's yeah. definitely, I think, some play here. Um, but I look at sort of... Uh, I like you, I'm kind of going, is it the right time? Like, 
you know, it's, it, Cerner's not going anywhere, right? <laughs> uh, I don't think its stock price is going to go up way high or really low or their value is going to go change very much over the next few years. So time is on the side of, of Google and, uh, and, and Microsoft. They could just wait a little bit more to see what things, how things go, how things continue to evolve with their own products. Um, I also look at, you know, kind of the history of, of, you know, way back in the day, you remember the, the big rush for companies like SAP, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in, the, yeah. in that sort of ERP space and how everyone was saying, oh, you know, Microsoft is going to buy them. It's a big enterprise play. And then nothing happened. Yeah, right? it, that's fair. Um, I, I wonder if EHRs would be the same. It's like, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thought exercise, but when it comes to doing business, I mean, is it really that practical? I'm not really sure. Yeah, timing's a good question. And is it the right time? Uh, although, you know, I think the transition helps indicate maybe it is a good time and there could be an opportunity there. But I think that what is, what I don't want to see, and this is why I don't want them to acquire them, is I can already feel the gut reaction if Google acquires Cerner. They'd be like, oh, okay, now it's going to be Googleized and it's going to be so much better. It's like people are, are, are wrong. Like they just, you know, you just don't understand what it takes to create great software. You know, like Google acquiring Cerner is going to be business as usual for the uh, the large extent, right? I mean, sure, some of their people might come in and offer some interesting insights, maybe some AI solutions, some layers on top of it. But like, it's going to take years for any of that to really filter down into Cerner from any of those companies. Uh, you know, so, I, but I, you know, like if, if Apple acquired Cerner, everyone said, oh, I wish Apple would build an EHR. And it's like my least favorite thing to hear about because it's like, no, we're talking enterprise EHR software. When has Apple ever done enterprise e- software effectively? They haven't. And so like to think that this enterprise software, just because it, you know, gets us come to the Google or Apple Borg, right? <laughs> like that somehow that culture is going to rub off and change, you know, what are we at? 30, 40 years of development and planning is, is that that's what I don't want to hear. So that's why I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, I think also what will be, what will be interesting if it, something like this does come to pass, you know, will the government, um, ask Google or Microsoft to separate their data business because yeah. of the whole HIPAA and privacy concerns, right? Because we already had some controversy around Google having access to medical records. We know Microsoft, you know, it hasn't gotten into any trouble, but I'm sure it's happening, right? They have similar agreements with the data science folks. And, you know, when, if they had an EHR, would that make it worse? Like, would people even want that, right? And would they have to be erect, would they have to separate that business so that there wasn't that wall? Like that wasn't that closeness. Yeah, we went through that when Google acquired Fitbit, right? And that kind of discussion. And they said, oh, it's walled off. And but then you look at it and you're like, okay, well, if Google or Microsoft can't have access to the data in Cerner's EHR then do they want to have it? <laughs> like, exactly. do they want to acquire Cerner? I mean, it could be anyone Epic, but any of those EHR vendors. And the answer is maybe because that's a huge cloud business 
And if you took the right one, and I forget who Cerner, I think Cerner's using largely Amazon instead of Google, if I remember, I could be wrong there. I have to look it up. But, you know, so there, there is something there on the cloud side of things. And could you lock in all of the future Cerner business on Google Cloud or on Microsoft Azure? Like that would be a reason that they would say, oh, okay, that's a big benefit to owning them is then, yeah, we get to choose who the cloud provider is for you. And, you know, any of that would work fine for a cloud provider for those vendors. Right. Let's move on to the next headline there, John. This is one that you found uh, and you found very interesting, and that is One Medical Acquiring Iora Health. Yeah, this one's fascinating for me, uh, especially because Iora Health, uh, fun fact, was actually a partner of ZDog MD when he opened his clinic here in Las Vegas. And I actually took part. So I guess I'm, I'm probably in an Iora Health database somewhere <laughs> with some information from a visit or two that I did with uh, ZDog MD uh, when he was here in Vegas. But I think what's really going to be fun to watch on this one. One medical was essentially catering to the relatively wealthy affluent individuals in San Francisco and then a few other cities as they expanded and saying, let's have primary care for the affluent and use technology to make it a better experience and to track you better and all of that. Whereas Iora Health was doing primary care as well, but they were doing it largely for Medicare Advantage people. And those two populations, Medicare Advantage and affluent individuals, that feels like just night and day difference as far as population. Uh, you know, Matthew Holt, interestingly, he described, he said they're barely on the same planet, <laughs> which I think is a good description of those two patient populations. Although I love it because when I saw both of them, I was like, it sounds like you're doing the same thing. You're trying to revise primary care, but you're doing it to very different populations. So the combination, yeah, this is going to be fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, after I read the story and looked into it, I became interested as well for the exact same reason. Although I, I wonder how much this is a I'll call it a synergy play. Like, is it truly that they could use the same technologies that you could use the same infrastructure, uh, just, you know, a different population mm -hmm. or in your, if to your point, John, is the population going to win out? Are these two populations so dissimilar that actually that doesn't matter that you have the same platform and it just won't work. So I'm definitely keeping my eye on it. Um, you know, it could be a car accident, sort of <laughs> watching a car accident unfold on a racetrack, but it also could, could demonstrate once and for all, hey, if you have a good platform, it doesn't matter the population. And that would be an amazing outcome. Right. And that's the killer core question. I've always asked the question, can direct primary care scale to all of healthcare? And in some ways, this is going to kind of be a test of that and, and hopefully answer some of those questions. I think it's also fascinating to see how these two companies play as compared with Amazon Care and the things they're doing with direct primary care and kind of changing primary care from an employer perspective. So, you know, who, who knows, does Amazon come and acquire these two? And then you have all three of these things working at the same time, or do they become competitive? I, I'm not sure, but there's a lot of money going into primary care right now from a private equity standpoint that uh, we're gonna see a different primary care 
now how is that going to play across the entire country that's confusing to me too because i you know it's one thing to do it in very specific locales where you know it, it works because there's a lot of medicare advantage population or there's an affluent population but you know the U.S. is really diverse, <laughs> so can that really scale? I don't know. We'll see. They're going to give it a go, though. <laughs> I'm just encouraged that there is actually a headline in this space, right? Because it shows that direct, you know, whether it's direct primary care or any other concierge care, there's something happening in primary care. I mean, for so long it was sort of ignored, and everything was focused on the hospital. It's nice to see some headlines kind of focusing on the primary care space. So I took that at least as encouragement to say, hey. I don't know if these two companies are going to work out. I don't know if this merger is going to work out, but at least we're talking about it. At least there's activity in this area. Well, I think they both have tech platforms too. So good luck to the CTO who has to figure out like the best pieces of each and which one's the go forward one, or do they have to do two? You know, that'll be fun to watch. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we are talking about headlines that we have seen in health IT and what they signal for the future. So John, this next headline is the meaty one. This is the big one uh, that I was uh, certainly shocked by. And that is telehealth stocks are dropping like rocks. (laughs) (laughs) They've already dropped. (laughs) That's the crazy part. I mean, I don't know. It's crazy on the one hand because telehealth exploded and we saw such an, a use of telehealth. Um, but I think what's interesting is the stocks are actually almost mirroring adoption. <laughs> the way it, you know, it spiked during COVID. And then now that COVID is reaching some sort of homeostasis and return to the office, mm-hmm. you know, the, the telehealth is dropping. My prediction is still at 15%. We'll see what, 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 where that ends up, you know, in the end, but you know, the stocks have dropped that. I mean, we did, I just went in and looked at a few uh, Teladoc at, at its peak was somewhere around $295 a share. And now it's, you know, as of this recording, which like I said, is a few weeks recorded early, but is about 151. So you know, about a cut in half. And then Amwell, I looked at it, its peak was $35 a share. And right now, as of the recording, it's at $13 a share, which, you know, that's almost a third, a a little more than a third. But, uh, you know, like, so those are big drops. I look at it though, and I say, no, it's not so surprising. Uh, You know, these companies doing live video visits, they had a huge increase in their customer base and that was great. But what that also meant is they had to scale up their infrastructure. So now they've invested in all this dead weight that that now they don't really need. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how does adoption keep falling off and does that hurt their revenues going forward? Because we all knew that the revenues weren't going to last. I mean, like at least the COVID revenues that spiked their their revenues, but also their cost dramatically. Uh, and, and will that infrastructure last as they transition and, you know, and they have to try to reach that scale again? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think what's, what's sort of interesting for me to think about when we look at telehealth companies, you know, unlike an EHR, which became a foundation, which you could then expand from and add onto telehealth platform is not as easy to add on to I mean, where you where you don't have as many avenues to add additional features and functions mm. sure you maybe could get into communications or some other things but it's not like you can just launch an ehr 
right? From a telehealth platform, you have to connect into one. So I wonder if the stock drop is a reflection of the potential future business. Now that these telehealth companies are, I'll call it relatively mature and their market is relatively mature now. Like I don't think we're going to see the gold rush like we did during COVID. So now we're into that sort of steady state. And so now it's no longer a, you know, seen as a growth stock. And now we're seeing the stock prices drop back down to earth. Yeah. Well, and I think the growth areas actually in remote patient monitoring, chronic care management, all of those spaces, and that market isn't fully mature. And so I don't think, you know, I think we're all still figuring out where our health systems and hospitals and, and practices going to go with RPM, what works, what doesn't. And so I think the uncertainty around that market and kind of the linear growth in that market, you know, plays into the stock price as well. And then, I, you know, I mean, to your comment, uh, you know, they can't go and offer, you know, some of these add-on services, but maybe even more so the competition that they're now receiving is much higher as well. I was talking to a vendor, it wasn't actually in the telehealth space. And I said, well, COVID must've been great for your business because it opened up you know, all these people to do it. And she responded and she's like, yeah, actually it was great for business, but it also brought in a lot more competitors that previously we didn't have. And I was like, ah, that's a good point, right? So there, there is an opportunity to grow because of this, but it also brought in, and many, you know, many of the competitors for telehealth companies are EHR vendors, which are pretty stout competitors. So they're probably suffering from some of the competitive uh, arena as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it will be interesting. I think you and I both are of the same opinion in that, you know, telehealth was going to drop after COVID, uh, that people, once they had the option to go back to in-person, that they would. Uh, telehealth wasn't going to go anywhere, but its its usage will not be what it was in 2020. Like we're expecting it to go down. Now we could be wrong. I mean, we'd love to be wrong. But I mean, a, a year from now, are we going to be talking about telehealth? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think so, right? Like, I mean, It'll just kind of be part of what we do and part of the landscape, but I don't think we'll be diving into telehealth in detail. So, you know, it goes back to you, it's not a hot stock anymore. It's not a hot area. Well, and I think, you know, if you look at it sort of at a very high level, you know, is telehealth really just a feature of an EHR, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that's maybe, you know, again, we needed it during COVID. It, it, these were specialized solutions and they have specialized uh, components and infrastructure that are needed for it. But I think now that we actually, ironically, are have it more well understood, I think people are looking at it going, oh, well, this is just really, <laughs> this is just a, a way to connect with a patient remotely. And then I still have to use my EHR. So like, why isn't it just over there? Like, I don't need a whole separate app for this, right? Like I don't need a whole separate infrastructure for this. Well, and there are various sections. I think specialty specific telehealth has done really well. So there is that area that I think is fascinating to watch, which is slightly different and not as, you know, I don't see the EHR vendors diving into that area the same way they are to, you know, the live video visit side of things. But yeah, I mean, it is a good question. Is telehealth just a feature? Or is it a full market? And uh, and where's that going to head? And I'm sad saying that because patients love it. So many patients benefit from it, but it's tough. Yeah, and I'm you know like everything else that we've talked about before. I'm I'm interested to see what the M and A activity will be like in this space yeah, over the next true. little bit. You know, will an EHR company buy out some of these telehealth companies? Will these telehealth companies you know acquire and grow their base into other adjacent areas into 
more telecommunications, or as you said, uh, remote patient monitoring, right? Is that where they're going to go? Here's a prediction with no basis of any sort of data. This is just a guess on my part, but you can see all scripts acquiring DoxyMe. That just feels like a fit, you know, especially I, I've described all scripts as a network of, of medical providers. What better way to expand their network of medical providers than buying DoxyMe, which offers the free, free telemedicine, uh, you know, like to me, that's a, that, 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 that's a match made in heaven. Health IT heaven, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and to your point, you know, around back to the RPM statement, it's a bit hard to make money right now on the whole 20 minutes a month per patient um, reimbursements. And it's, you know, unclear what provide what uh, payers will be doing in this space in terms of you know, RPM and how much people are being reimbursed. I think right now, you know, the growth is happening because of the patient benefit and, you know, we have to be distanced and there are certain patient populations who cannot come in and still can't come in, even though more and more vaccines are out there. So I think we're still going to see, you know, high adoption, but it'll be interesting to see if it, whether it's can be sustained. Right. And then I think you'll see a lot more M&A activity in this space. Yep. So last one, John, uh, which doesn't really have an impact on us because you and I both work remotely and have <laughs> been for many years now, but uh, also in the news uh, recently has been Epic's date that they have set for mandatory return to the office for Epic employees. Yeah, well, I mean, you highlighted on Twitter that you actually do want to return to work, uh, the airport lobby hotel. <laughs> that's my office is the airport waiting lounge right it's sitting there waiting for you and i think you can't wait to get back but um <laughs> yeah it is interesting how that's evolved and you know epic's announcement was no surprise really because uh, i think almost a year ago uh a year ago in august if i remember right judy had said we want people back in the office. And so, you know, she made it clear way back then that she thought that the office was the way that collaboration, that connection happens. What's shocking to me is how hardline Epic has been about it, that everyone's returning. Like, I don't understand, like, what, what benefit do you get from being so hardline and not at least, you know, I mean, from a PR perspective, if nothing else, you know, having some nuance to it, that someone that's super high risk, they can work just as efficiently at home. Why don't we allow that? Or, or, you know, certain jobs where they literally walk into the office, they close their office door and they never talk with someone again. I've heard some people from Epic and other EHR vendors are like, I'm a support person. I'm on the phone all day with clients. Like I don't need to see anyone else. And so I, you know, I don't understand the hard line you must return. And, and why isn't there some nuance there? That's a good point. I mean, I think that was, but you know, you think about Epic and you go, when have they ever done anything from uh, marketing or, new, I mean, they just say and do what they want and, and what, what they believe yeah, to be true. She didn't think about the PR. <laughs> yeah. And they don't really, they don't really care about it. And you know, it's for both good and bad reasons. Right. And so sometimes you can come off like they are maybe on this one, a little bit tone deaf to go, okay, well, isn't there a small population of your employees that cannot come to work or, or maybe aren't coming back. And maybe this was just sort of a blanket statement. Um, but to your point, the more important question I have is, what does it say about Epic's future, right? If they're so tied to the physical office uh, and they can't, and they won't hire somebody who's remote, right? Or in a different city, then are they going to be able to get to the same access to talent that everyone else could get? Who is more willing to say, you know what, if you want to live and work in Seattle and 
we're a company based in Chicago, go for it. Right. I mean, you could see why they want to do it because everyone wants to live in Madison, Wisconsin, rather than like Miami or (laughs) no, I mean, it's it's so funny. Like I actually think of uh, the sportscasters I I listen to and a lot of them are talk about recruiting football players and they're like to recruit football players. Would you rather go to football and play football in Miami or would you rather play football in Wisconsin where you're frozen six months out of the year? And he's like, it's no wonder they have a harder time recruiting people for football. Well, the same thing applies (laughs) for EHR events. Vendors, I, I think to some extent, right? I mean, it's not, it's a, it's slightly different because of how many people you do. And also Epic's model is unique because they recruit so many people directly from college and want to kind of indoctrinate them into Epic culture because, you know, and be able to mold them into the people that they want to that fit the culture of Epic. So that, you know, that will help them in this effort. But yeah, I mean, it does seem like they're going to face some challenges where people are like, no, I don't want to live in Madison. I want to live by my family or I want to live by, you know, somewhere where it's warm or whatever it might be. I think that could hinder them in the recruiting effort. Yeah, I think longer term, this may hurt them from a talent acquisition standpoint in that they're very geographically centric, right? Yeah. And, uh, and what we've proven over the last two years is that geography doesn't matter as much anymore if you can find a way to collaborate in certain businesses certain technologies it lends itself well to to working you know remotely so i think if they don't change they may lose the talent war to someone like a cerner or all scripts or these other companies that you know are more willing to flex um i certainly think it's bold right to to be one of the first yes. and you know to say hey everyone come back and it has been their history to to want that collaboration uh, I wonder though, like in the, in the next year and a half, does this mean we're going to see a lot of former Epic people, right? Hit the market, <laughs> right? And, and join other companies and just go, yeah, you know what? You know, I, I, I'm tired of Madison or I'm just, I just want to work for in a place where I, I have that flexibility, right? To, yeah. to be able to work from home. And I heard some, you know, I already heard an example of someone who left. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think there is some of that already happening to some extent. How deep is the question? Uh, and, you know, the arguments against it, we held a Twitter chat about some of these topics and returned to the office. And someone said, well, how do you create your Harry Potter world at home? And and they have a point, right? I mean, the Epic's campus is pretty unique and interesting, but I've found that that type of stuff wears off. You know, it becomes just so normal. And then you're like, okay, that's cool, but does it really make my work experience that much better? And then what we also found in the HITSM Twitter chat we did on this, everyone started talking about why they love a certain location. And it was all sorts of wide variety of things, housing costs, family, you know, weather, access to certain things, you know. So when, when you saw that, I realized from that conversation that where we live matters to us a lot more than we realize. And maybe that's not as true right out of college where you're like, okay, where do I want to live? I don't care. I want a great job and I want a good career advancement and all that. But as you get older, you're like, no, this stuff really matters and makes a huge difference to me, whether I have a long commute, whether I live near the people I want, whether the city has the culture that I want. And maybe some people love Madison and you know, there's an argument to be made there. But I think more and more we find that flexibility is going to be valued by a lot of people. Yeah. I just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, like you, that, that Epic campus looks amazing. 
right? <laughs> it looks incredible. The treehouse, all those things. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And they, they've invested in it and I'm sure it is wonderful to be there. Uh, but like you said, I'd, I think that appeals to a certain audience, a certain type of employee. And I think those that have been there for a little bit longer, you know, this the pandemic has shown um, everyone around the world that, hey, you know what? You don't have, why live in a big city? Why not have a yard and work? And if you can work from home, you know, companies are being flexible on that because it saves them costs as well, right? So it'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out over the next year, to see if there's this, an exodus out of Epic uh, or if, you know, everything just goes back to normal and, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it this way. If I wanted to hire you and required you to move to Las Vegas, would you be working at Healthcare Scene and, and working with me on Healthcare IT today? <laughs> it's very true. Probably very not. true. I love Vegas. But. <laughs> but just to visit, right? I mean, so, I mean, it's a great example, right? I mean, because we are able to be flexible, we're able to work together and have our, you know, everything that we do together. But if I had been strict and said, no, you need to be in the US, you need to be in Vegas, then we wouldn't, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. So we wouldn't be having this podcast. That's right. <laughs> Listen, thanks to all of you tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. Find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. Please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lee. Thanks for listening and have a great week.